though the finger still was there. Good spirit, he pursued, as down upon the ground he fell before it. Your nature intercedes for me and pities me. Assure me that I yet may change these shadows that you have shown me by an altered life. The kind hand trembled. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The, the spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me that I may sponge away the writing on this stone. In his agony, he caught the spectral hand. It, it sought to free itself, but he was strong in his entreaty and detained it. The spirit, stronger yet, repulsed him, and holding up his hands in a last prayer to have his fate eye reversed, he, he saw an alteration in the phantom's hood and dress. It shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost. End of chapter so what will the conclusion be? We might wonder that to ourselves if we had been the first to read the story back in 1843. What, what will happen to this selfish old man? Will he shut out the lessons the spirits teach, or, or will he change these shadows with an altered life? Imagine turning the page and reading that Scrooge woke up from his troubled sleep and realizing that it was just a dream, got up, got dressed, and went to work. No Christmas turkey, no feast at the nephew's house, no forgiveness of debts, no increase in Bob Cratchit's salary, no being a second father to Tiny Tim, no, none of it, just to back to the way things always have been. Just another day of doing the same thing. Imagine such an ending. Why, it, it wouldn't be a Christmas carol. There just really would have been no point to the story. There may be no better day than December 31st, New Year's Eve, as we look back with the spirit of the past and look at the moment today with the spirit of the present and, and look ahead with the spirit of the future to wonder about the point of the story, certainly the story of our lives, but also in particular the story that we've just been reading, the story about the young mother and child, the angels and the shepherds, the story about Nazareth and Bethlehem, the story about the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. We, we've reached the end of the penultimate chapter. The heavens have opened. Christ has been born, and now it's time. It's time to turn the page. Now it's time to see what's next going to happen. And with that page turn, the spotlight shifts to you. And to you, and to you, and to you, and to you. And the readers are wondering what will happen next. What will happen to these people what will happen when they wake the next day, when they wake the next week, the next year? Will things be different? Will lives be altered? A new course set? Well, what will be the point of this story? And so almost on cue, onto the stage walks John the Baptist. Just when we were ready to get back to the way things have always been, just when we got thinking about, you know, January 2nd and putting Christmas away and hunkering down for 2018, onto the stage walks this 
wild and crazy figure with some wild and crazy outfit. Mark tells us that he was dressed in camel's hair and wore a leather belt and ate locust and wild honey. I mean, enough to sort of catch your attention. John walks into the tail end of our Christmas party while we're still sipping our last eggnog and asking for our coats. And he stands at the door of the new year and he says, hold your horses. No one's going anywhere. No one is leaving this place. No one is finishing this story. No one is moving into the new year until you hear from moi. Now, this is the part of the story where we get confused. We thought Christmas was supposed to be like all the other Christmases, you know, do the annual thing. How was your Christmas, our friends will say, and we'll say, oh, fine, fine, fine. That's the way it's supposed to go as we make our way to the door and brace ourselves for the uncertainty of a new year. And, and then almost like the spirit of the time to come, John the Baptist appears and he says to us, you know, it doesn't have to be the same. It doesn't have to be the same old thing. It doesn't have to be the same old you. Things can change. Life can change. You can change. Repent. Christopher Vogler, in his great book on writing, talks about how to write a compelling story. And he goes back to the great ancient mythologies, the great stories of civilization, and he says that there's a certain structure where the hero of the story has to pass through a series of phases in order to become a truly transformative character. And one of the phases is confronting what he calls the threshold guardian. And the threshold guardian is the character in every great story who stands between the the past and the future and challenges the hero. And unless the hero engages the threshold guardian, then there is no way he or she becomes a hero, and in turn, there is really no point to the story. So it makes all the sense of the world as we make our way from Bethlehem to the new year, we find ourselves at the threshold of, and rather threat, and see at the threshold this rather threatening character, John, and he says, repent. Change course. Don't remain on the same road. If you want there to be a point to the story, if you want there to be a point to your story, things have to change. You are here on this earth for bigger things. You are in this story for a better ending. So the new year is this great time when we give ourselves maybe the smallest of windows to wonder, could my story have a better ending? Today and tomorrow is that time of great hope, great intention, when we wonder how things might be different for me in the future. What new course might I set? What new mission might I pursue? And there would be nothing better for us to do today and tomorrow than to engage that threshold guardian and let the Baptist challenge us into a new way of life. But you know, the Baptist doesn't just end, show up at the end of December. That's usually how we treat the Baptist, you know? He's kind of like one of those Christmas figurines we take out at the end of the year, and then we put him back on the box for the next 11 months. And if we do that, we're missing the whole point. Because I think the Baptist shows up not just at the threshold of the new year, the Baptist shows up in the thresholds of life. Because if there's anything that life has, it has its series of thresholds. 
And I think you know what I mean. Those events that happen in your life that give you pause, that make you kind of stop. It could be a good event. It could be a bad event. It could be an unexpected event. It could be a life-shattering event. Or it could be an event of great fortune. But life has the threshold events that give us pause. It can be the birth of your child. It can be the divorce of your marriage. It can be the loss of a job. It can be the illness of your child. It can be a move to a new city. It can be a life-threatening diagnosis. It can be your last kid leaving the house, or it can be the start of retirement. It can be the death of your spouse, or it can be a newfound love. Life has these threshold events that give us pause and make us wonder, what in heaven's name is going to be next for me? And that's precisely what John steps onto the stage to do, to say his one line, what in heaven's name is going to be next? Because it doesn't have to be the same thing, he says. It's not supposed to be the same thing. You are made for bigger things. You are in this story for a better ending. If there's anything that this baby born in Bethlehem is about, it is about the power of God to change history, and that includes your history and mine. Some of you have read the novel or seen the movie The Shack, the harrowing fictional story of a father, Mac Phillips, whose daughter is kidnapped and brutally murdered, found in a remote shack in the woods. It's a threshold moment which should be visited upon no parent. But a threshold it is nonetheless, and as the story goes, Mac faces into the threshold and visits the shack where his daughter was found. And there, in his moment, he is visited by the three persons of the Trinity. And in this visitation, he becomes a different person. What most don't know about the story is that it was written by Paul Young, who wrote it as an allegory to his own life, his own threshold experience. His threshold was having his wife and mother to his five children catch him in an affair with his wife's best friend, this while being a pastor. Talk about threshold. Talk about the world collapsing around you. Talk about an uncertain future. But confronting his own brokenness, his own failure, his own family dysfunction, his own shame, Paul heard the voice of the Baptist repent, change, choose a new course. And with the grace of his wife and family and a whole lot of therapy, he found a new path, a different course. He was made for bigger things. His story had a better ending. And from his own story came the story of the shack. It makes me think of a friend of mine. I will call him Bill. I got to meet Bill a long time ago at one of his thresholds. When Bill was a kid, he started drinking pretty early and liked being the life of the party. But soon he went from being the life of the party to being the embarrassment of the party. 
and his friends told him as much. But that didn't stop him. He just kept on going. And when his boss told him he better lay off the sauce, that didn't stop him. He just kept on going. And when his boss told him he didn't have a job anymore, that didn't stop him. He just found another job and kept on going. Later, he reported to me that this was the time when he began to bargain with God, that if God would just let him live to the age of 30, he would count it even. He wouldn't ask for anything more than just getting to the age of 30. But then at age 27, his girlfriend announced to him that she was pregnant and that she was going to bring their child into the world and that he had some decisions to make. Was he going to be a man? Was he going to be a husband? Was he going to be a father? And that's when the Baptist showed up. You were made for bigger things, Bill. You are in this story for a better ending. And so came the daily meetings with new friends at Alcoholics Anonymous. So came regular visits to the neighborhood pastor. So came a change of career. So came a commitment to be a husband and father. I got his Christmas card the other day, as I do every year. It's been 30 years. <laughs> Hasn't been perfect. But there he is standing in his living room with his bride of 30 years, his four children, a mother-in-law, son-in-law, a daughter-in-law, three grandchildren, a dog. A better ending. Who knows what 2018 is going to hold? Some good things, some bad things, certainly some thresholds to be sure, moments of pause. Maybe today's one of them. Maybe it's not. But they'll come. They'll come, those thresholds. And there, if we're looking, we'll find the Baptist, the spirit of things to come. Repent, he'll say. Time to change. Better things await. A better ending is in store. So Scrooge Dickens writes, became as good a friend and as good a master and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. Let us pray. We thank you, O Lord, that you give us seasons, seasons of life, seasons of the year, seasons within the church. We thank you, O Lord, that you give us moments of pause, thresholds, to wonder, what really will my story be? What ending awaits me? So we ask, O Lord, that you will mingle our spirits with your spirit, that we will hear again the angels, and hear again the Baptist saying, repent, turn around, change course. 
a better ending awaits. This we ask in anticipation in the name of Christ. Amen. Yeah. 
Precious blood of 